Hello, friends. Welcome to the Christ and Coffee podcast, bringing the church together one coffee hour conversation at a time. Today, I have Dan Albarion joining the program. Uh, Pastor Dan is serving in Los Angeles in the Armenian community. Uh, he also officiated my wedding. Um, and we're going to talk about a topic today uh, connected to one of the early conflicts in the church, uh, how to be an ethnic church, but also reach out to people from a different ethnic group. Uh, so we're going to discuss how to be uh, an Armenian evangelical, but also reach out to others uh, in the community as well. So we're going to have a good conversation. Dan, to begin, how are you doing? How are things? I'm doing great, Hike. Thank you so much. Uh, I can't believe it's been almost, what, three years since you've been married? Yeah, four, uh, almost uh, four years now, actually. Almost four years. <laughs> can't believe how time flies. Uh, we had a great time, and uh, always good to see you when you visit us, and always good to see you on video or whenever we have conversations. That's great. I am so excited also for the fact that uh, we can chat uh, casually and uh, informally, and I'm happy to share my thoughts. Uh, I've, I've been a pastor now 35 years, and actually you're probably, you're not sitting where I used to sit, but you are in the same church. I started my ministry some uh, uh, 36 years ago, and uh, you've seen similar challenges as I have seen, and the good thing is that I have to congratulate you. You've overcome a lot of my challenges. So I congratulate you on that. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, I pastor of the Armenian Evangelical Church in Manhattan. And uh, it's a different different environment after 35 years. So, um, but yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I'm excited. I, we can talk about the subject that you, you and I have uh struggled with and struggle with on a daily basis as pastors yeah i mean it's always been a challenge for me as someone who's armenian loves being armenian um wants to celebrate being armenian was intentional in marrying an armenian uh wanting to like preserve the culture especially as like a genocide mm. people there's an extra thing in our culture to be like we can't assimilate we, we have to preserve this. And usually the way you preserve it is the church. The church has always been the diaspora's epicenter for keeping their culture. So you have that on one end, but then you have the call of being evangelical, like, all right, I need to make disciples of all the nations. Doesn't matter who it is. I need to get the word out to as many people as possible. Um, and I always struggle with that tension, especially when I was thinking about being ordained as an Armenian evangelical. It's like, do I even want to be an Armenian evangelical? Shouldn't I just be somewhere else? So <laughs> any insights on this personal struggle that I still have <laughs> all these years yes. later, I would greatly well, appreciate what your thoughts are. Well, I, I struggle with it. I, I have been struggling and I want to struggle, but I, I, don't, I don't think there's an easy um, formula. Um, there, there are principles, and I think I would like to focus in my life personally, and uh, um, as a pastor, I'd like to uh, preserve those principles before I preserve anything else. But uh, the fact that as an Armenian congregation, I think, uh, as an Armenian nation, we, ha we come with a history that is uh, part of our uh, life who we are and it's almost impossible to 
deny that or betray that. Uh, we can't do that. It is not right for us to be doing that. It's, it's almost like um, betraying who we are or denying who we are. Um, but I think there is also a functionality of our faith and that's what we struggle. Um, do we keep who we are? And of course we have to, but at the same time, do we also go out um, into the community and minister to the community? Um, I, I think when, when we look at um, Jesus, as much as he stuck with his own uh, ministry goal, which was to the Jews, when someone from uh, uh, Syrophoenician came to him, he kind of said, well, I came to my own people. And the Syrophoenician said, yeah, but uh, even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. And so Jesus looked at the woman and said, wow, I, I see your faith. And, uh, and so he was sympathetic to them. Uh, at the same time, at the end of ministry, Jesus sent his disciples to all nations, uh, making disciples of all nations. So it, it's the tension that I think we live with. And I've, uh, in fact, in the next uh, few weeks, I've decided to uh, preach on uh, winning souls. And if we're going to win souls for Christ, do we say, I'm sorry, you're not Armenian, therefore I'm not going to preach the gospel to you. But you're Armenian, I'll preach the gospel to you. Um, I, I think this tension is a healthy tension. But also, it is healthy for us to understand that we're here not representing just the Armenian ethnicity and culture, but we're also representing Christian culture. And a yeah. Christian culture doesn't uh, alienate uh, and or separate two nations or three nations or different nations from each other. Yeah, so, I, I like how um, Canada views this versus America. So like America, I grew up, America is a giant melting pot. Like, um, all right, so that means like everyone is mixing together like some nasty fondue or something of that sort. It's like, what, what, what are you mixing here? Versus uh, the Canadians do a better job of describing the international uh, country as a mosaic. So instead of a mixing, it's more of a, no, I'm, I'm going to be Armenian. You're going to be uh, uh, wherever you're from. We're going to put the, all these pieces together and create something new. And I think when the church talks about this, I think it's thinking more of a mosaic versus a melting pot, I mean, even though it's not against when people mix, of course not. But I think there's something to celebrate culture versus just saying, saying like, all right, we're going to turn off our ethnic upbringing, regardless if it's Armenian or something else. We, like the Apostle Paul never stopped being Jewish, even though he was the apostle to the Gentiles. It's not like he turned off being Jewish all of a sudden. He, he still was Jewish the whole time. He still was saying, this is who I am. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's interesting how he got in trouble for... Uh, the detention the wasn't welcoming non uh, Armenians into the fold, I mean, non-Jews into the fold in their early church letters. It was whether or not they adapt certain customs and traditions from the Old Testament in specific circumcision, which is like the first yes. fight of the, 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 the early church. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how, how, do, how, how do we create language to talk about this? Well, I, I don't think anybody, uh, and you can... Uh, correct me or you can put your input. I don't think anybody would oppose 
um, the idea, when I say anybody within the church, anybody would disagree that we should reach out to others. Uh, there's, no, uh, there's no disagreement in that. Nobody will disagree with the biblical text where it says go and evangelize to the whole world, go preach the gospel, go make disciples of all nations. I don't think there's, a dis there's any disagreement with that. I think where the sensitivity comes is the emphasis of our mission, the emphasis of our, um, our, our ministry in the church. Um, so the emphasis is I am an Armenian and I have labeled the church uh, Armenian Evangelical Church of New York. So as soon as I have said Armenian Evangelical Church of New York, automatically I have excluded uh, non-Armenian Evangelical from the community just because of the name. Yeah. Uh, our name is Christian Outreach for Armenians. I mean, come on, anybody passes by who's not an Armenian will look at that church and say, okay, I don't belong here. Right. Uh, so the, the debate has been in the venue, in the in the area of um, naming ourselves, targeting our goal, and then by default, excommunicating everybody else. Uh, and somehow we have justified that. Now in a community where 80% uh, or 70% are Armenians, there's no problem with that. It's fair, it's fair. Yeah. But in, in New York, <laughs> you have, uh 99.9 percent .9 non-armenians and putting a church in the middle of manhattan and calling it armenian evangelical church of new york you're basically saying i i, I have a building here designated for that ministry but not necessarily a ministry for that community it, it, the percentage is even less because the we're a minority group among that minority group as evangelicals majority are epistolic <laughs> so it's funny you Correct. mentioned that because um uh like when, like I've, I have a non-Armenian couple who comes to my church and the reason they were drawn to the church because they read Armenian and they thought it was a theological position, Armenian. So, <laughs> and then on top of it, so I was like, okay, welcome. But most of the time people think that our, our services are done in our, the Armenian language. So they get turned off or even attending. And then being in New York, uh, talking about reaching the, the, the lost or, or reaching those who may not typically go to church, the word evangelical has a lot of strong, they think politics right away. They don't think Jesus. So there's, there's mm -hmm. that uh, tension too. Uh, so the right. name has a, a, a bunch of problems when it comes to outreach. Uh, but at the same time, it's our label. Like you don't want to lose your identity. So it, again, it goes back to that tension of how do I preserve, preserve that and draw that 0.0001% who moved to New York, they know where to go. Uh, right. Yet at the same time, be open. Yeah, and uh, and we when I was there, uh, actually, people who moved from Middle East or anywhere else, uh, the first thing they did uh, at that time, remember, you don't remember this, maybe you're too young for that, the yellow pages, uh, or you, you could go to the yellow pages on the church and you would look Armenian, and so they actually found us through the yellow pages or through the uh, telephone book, um, so it was a, a link to a community that was in the process of uh, developing. Um, the, 
how many people we attracted, at least I was there three years, I would say uh, maybe two families came because of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can't say they, st they stayed. Uh, so it wasn't like uh, a large number of people were looking for it. Yeah. Uh, but that's another aspect of it. I think the essence is this. Um, I was just reading the AMA news this morning uh, as they were reporting uh, the various communities that developed um, after the massacres, after the genocide. And so many Armenians uh, migrated from uh, Cilicia, Turkish Armenia, and those areas, and they came to Aleppo, Lebanon, Syria, Egypt, and they were recording on, uh, in Egypt, there, uh, in one church, uh, Cairo, Armenian Evangelical Church, 800 families uh, joined the church in the early 20th century. Uh, and as they record the history, uh, th there is only like 10 families left right now. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Alexandria. Uh, unfortunately, the same thing is evolving in uh, Lebanon, Syria, even though there's still a large community. Uh, and it was it was justified at that point right. to do the preservation. But now, uh, how do we deal with it? Uh, I live in Long Beach, a uh, pastor in uh, Glendale, now moving to North Hollywood. Uh, I would say in North Hollywood, we have close to maybe 40% I'm not quite familiar with North Hollywood, but I would say 30 to 40% are Armenians in North Hollywood. Uh, and so Pastor Rada Chakurya and myself, when we were talking, he said, you know, we can, we can, uh, we should have more than two evangelical churches in North Hollywood. We can afford to have four Armenian evangelical churches, five. A thousand and so one many. churches. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Let's do it. Yeah. So uh, we have the people. But again, the point is this, uh, do we open churches to preserve culture or do we uh, open churches, start churches to preach the gospel? Um, and that's the, um, the fire or the fuel that burns the fire, uh, ignites the fire and keeps it going. Yeah, so I, I mean, a lot of the Armenian evangelicals, especially on the East Coast, they, they were sites that welcomed like refugees not refugees but immigrants kind of escaping persecution so you had that first wave of immigration before the genocide happened um after the genocide uh the new york church i serve is 125 years old um and there, that was that first wave and then our, a lot of the churches became a hub for the, uh, the community like like you're mentioned in alexandria to like adapt to the new life to keep their faith to have an opportunity to worship without being fearful of being killed. Um, and that kind of sustained the generation. And then there was a waning because they didn't adapt to the next generation's movement. Mm -hmm. And then you had a wave of Lebanese immigrants from the civil war. And that's how my family came here. Uh, you were born in Lebanon and you, you mm -hmm. came uh, as, and then, and now there's no waves of immigration after 9-11 immigration has stopped. A lot of the East Coast churches in our union do not have any waves of immigration, keeping to that model of that's how you sustain growth. And if they don't pivot or change, they're going to decline. And that's happening. Some have pivoted, some are not. And uh, things are not going to pivot. So like, 
also initially when these churches were founded, they spoke Armenian. Now, a lot, especially on the East Coast, not a lot of people aren't speaking Armenian. But at your church, is Armenian still the, the main language? Because I think when it comes to language, there's a justification as well. Well, I think you you made a very good point. And uh, you're, you're a second generation. I'm a first generation. Yeah. You were born here. You grew up here, even though your connections were Armenian families. But somehow you're, as you went to school here, I don't know. I, you, you didn't go to Armenian school, did you? I dropped no. out. I'm an so, Armenian school dropout. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But basically your friends uh, are non-Armenian as far as the academia is concerned, even though maybe your parents focused you to go to Armenian church and hang out with Armenians. But somehow my kids uh, have all non-Armenian friends uh, yeah. with the exception of you and Nancy. And, you know, we have a few that they have maintained that relationship. But even you and my kids are... Uh, second generation, and they're developing. So the, po the point is, how does the church as a believing body, as the body of Christ, grow in the community where uh, God wants them to thrive? Uh, do we, do we uh, close our doors to the community and say we're an Armenian church and we want to serve the community? Or do we open up uh, our, our church? Um, the way that we thought um, we can open it up is by uh, utilizing two languages, bilingual services. Um, and we thought, and you can, you, you're, you're testing this out or you've done it and you've been in churches that have done it. We've tested it out uh, and I've been now in the AUNA for 35, 36 years, and the AUNA churches have tried that. Uh, and if we're realistic, we look at our churches and let's let's really uh, uh, search our history and discover that even though we thought that would work, it really didn't. Um, we did it because we wanted to please uh, the first generation, but the second generation didn't like it because they couldn't connect with the language. And so they chose uh, to go to local churches. Yep. In fact, there are more Armenian evangelicals who started uh, within the evangelical churches that are right now attending non-Armenian churches or, or or they and a lot of them double dip they go to the local mega church but then occasionally they come to our churches for the community aspects <laughs> well that happens more on the east coast than on the west okay, coast okay. because uh on the west coast uh, they have their families to hang out with they don't need the church necessarily uh, oh, that's but good then point. In, the, uh, yeah. in the east coast uh your most of your families are integrated with non-armenians so you yeah, hang yeah. out with non-armenians so you prefer to go to the church or the community because there are more armenians there so you hang out with armenians yeah. I, I remember a couple of uh good friends of mine who are korean they're they're aware of this trend you're describing how things shift in the second generation and then the sec that second generation stops coming um and they were like yeah we're we're, we're a few gener we're a few decades ahead of you on this trend even though we're a smaller <laughs> population group so they were like taking notes on like all right we have to change we should have changed already like that the, yeah. they're saying so and we I feel like there is a gap uh, of a generation in our community that 
that that's not there um because of yeah. this because they didn't they, they didn't adapt they just went to other churches yeah um you know i as i said earlier um the issue of preservation of culture uh and the uh, obligation that sometimes uh the culture places on the church is i believe unrealistic and i may be uh, using some strong words but i can basically uh, prove it in the sense that to expect the church to preserve culture requires the church um, compromising the gospel message not in the sense of theology but in the sense of uh, commitment to the call uh, and anytime the church compromises uh, the effectiveness of the gospel message, um, you open yourself and you become vulnerable uh, and your message becomes um, um, becomes uh, unattractive in a way because it really doesn't so i'm i you know I, this sunday i'm going to talk about john the baptist um, and how he evangelized there was no compromise over there i mean he was a strict guy and the amazing thing is the bible records that he was um, respected even by the king uh, because of his radical message and the church is always respected when it's a radical uh church yeah. The church is never respected when they uh, compromise what is entrusted to to the church. So uh, I think comp compromise has happened where we basically said, let's please the first generation, let's please the second generation. And ultimately, we didn't please neither. And we lost the people. So, I, um, so I'm, I'm a proponent of uh, having an Armenian language church and an English language church and let it organically grow as it does uh, without really compromising and saying, oh, let's, uh, let's uh, you know, dilute it and let's just make everybody happy. It just didn't happen. All the church, it hasn't happened. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I think the moment we replace the mission with whatever our understanding of that word culture is or that definition of Armenian, we could, I mean, that could be a whole other conversation. What does it mean to be Armenian? Uh, it becomes an idol, and the moment there's idolatry, the spirit of God will not be there, and the, the emphasis won't be there. And like, personally, like when I came to faith, like I ended up becoming more Armenian, not because I was focusing on being Armenian, but I was just focusing on seeking God, because uh -huh. God created me, and He created me in a specific context. So mm -hmm. the more I pursue the gospel, becoming a disciple, making disciples, the more I'm becoming myself. And each of us have some sort of cultural co context to them. And um, I, th I think there's also the pride and arrogance when it comes to culture too. The moment you think your culture is better than other cultures, you, you dehumanize other people versus you celebrate them uh, and, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. be rejoiceful mm -hmm. about the, the different diversity in that mosaic that, that it could bring to the church or bring to the communities. Um, but yeah, it's a great point. I think we lost... What, in, in, the, in the people pleasing of generations, we lost sight of God and therefore it became a diluted message for either one of them to begin with and also ultimately shifted yep, the focus. Yep.
Um, yeah. So, what what other principles uh, would you would you say that helps us in, in this conversation? Well, I think uh, the, I would like to ask you some questions because okay. you're you're in the forefront. I mean, how how have you? I've kind of uh, just following your example. I've noticed that um, you've been effective in reaching your uh, generation uh, where they're at, and uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, you didn't put Armenian um, emphasis in your outreach to them, did you? Um, so there, there is <clears throat> like usually draw who you are as a person. So uh -huh. regardless of what your demographic is, I think that there's that trend. Um, the other thing too is so like I would go to Armenian events and draw them by by doing that. So I would draw the Armenian crowd, but at the same time, it's New York City. You have to draw other people. And I, I, I think I have some sort of favor among like some intellectual crowds, but also like other ethnic groups that are also immigrants, second generation who had immigrant parents. Like my friends growing up, there was a subculture of, all right, our, our parents are, are new to this country. We've been introducing them to America. So there is some sort of subculture there that I always had friends with because we relate to the immigrant story. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's more like being true to yourself and not worrying about this stuff, I think is really important. Um, yeah. So, so th there is that. So the moment I start worrying about this stuff, I stop being authentic and real. And uh, I'm trying, I put on an act and, and then that, that then whenever that happens, especially among the younger generations, they, if they sniff it, they're going to run away. If they don't sense right. you're being real with them. And of course, every, everyone, but, but, but. Well, I, I know that for instance, uh, when we were at the wedding, uh, you had people that came from New York and I remember clearly when we were in the jacuzzi, we got to know uh, your um, Indian uh, friend or minister uh, that wasn't even Christian. Yeah, uh, he was there uh, as as a friend. Yeah, and he knew you were a pastor. Yeah, so he didn't feel like, uh, oh, he's a pastor. He's an Armenian pastor. He's a pastor to the Armenians. Uh, therefore, I don't belong there. And yet, he was there right. uh, because he respected you as a friend. Right. And to me, that's a clear indication that how you opened yourself um, to continue your friendship and use your friendship to win souls for Christ. Yeah. And you didn't say, uh, I'm Armenian, therefore, you know, you're Indian or you're um, French or you're Lebanese, therefore you can't be my friend. Or So how, how, what's your mindset when you are in the community? and reaching out yeah i mean it's it's more like whoever's in front of me i have to apply these christian principles to right like this is who i am as a christian um and like i guess that's a really good point because what you're describing is most people are going to love and show love to the people they're in front of why isn't the church taking on that same mentality <laughs> uh, especially the armenian church yeah yeah, yeah. i mean evangelical church yeah. So yeah, exactly. Just being true to myself as, as, as cliche and cheesy as that may sound. It's the Apostle Paul being like, um, I'm still Jewish, but I'm reaching out to you. Uh, right. and, he, and yeah, someone might be thinking about, oh, to the weak, I became weak, to the Gentile, I became this, to the Greek, I became Greek. It's not like he 
he was like manipulating himself. He just had layers to his identity. So uh, he spoke Greek, therefore he could talk to the Greeks. He experienced hardship, therefore he could relate to those who are hardship. But he didn't like stop becoming um, <laughs> Jewish in the process. He still was who he was. And I think the other conversation here is there is diversity among the Armenian population. There is diversity among uh, cultures in them themselves. So like the Apostle Paul, he was Jewish from Tarsus. So he's not from Jerusalem. He, he's from, from Cilicia. Uh, he was a Roman citizen. So he had certain privileges and he was educated. So like right. there was these layers to his identity. Right. Uh, and there's layers to even Armenians. Like you were born in right. Beirut. I was born in New Jersey, the promised land of New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> I have East Coast, you have West Coast flavors, and there's diversity among these labels. Right. And that's a problem in our community. You have churches well, uh, that are set up based on what, if they're Eastern Armenian, Western Armenian, if they're from Istanbul, if they're from Beirut, and there's lack of diversity among the Armenians. <laughs> Yeah, I think what you're describing also is uh, you're pointing out something very important. And uh, from my experience, I look back and see that while you're describing that, there was no real understanding in the first generation Armenians that were coming here. Uh, they somehow tried to reinvent what they lost instead of invent uh, a new um, world that they're going to be part of. Uh, and so the frustration and the disappointment uh, happened when what you're reinventing to do here did not, uh, based on your past, didn't succeed here. Right. And then you try to uh, juggle. You try to, it's almost like uh, buying an old house. And you realize that it's not going to fit your purpose. And then you add a room uh, that doesn't really fit with the rest of the house. And then because it doesn't fit, then you think of adding another room and thinking, well, this will fit. And that doesn't fit. Uh, and then 50 years later, you come into your house and you look and say, what a, what a house that is just put together without really having an uh, overall scheme of uh, plan that how this thing is gonna work. Um, that's a typical thing in California right now. It's the you know, real estate market is in the same, so I'm thinking in those terms. It, however, uh, what my son-in-law did, and you know them, uh, he tore down the whole thing and said, I'm gonna build a new one that fits my purpose. Uh, I think the, the Armenian evangelical church uh, has to come to a point where it say, okay, let's tear, let's tear down what we try to in, reinvent and see how are we going to reach out or how are we going to be an effective church in America without losing our identity, but without compromising faith at the same time and reach out to the community. Uh, the, the new church that uh, we move into tomorrow uh, in North Hollywood. It, it, it's a different community. We come from Glendale. The Glendale community was all Armenian. 23 years ago when I went there, uh, I remember people actually walking. 
I'd say about 50% of the church was either walking or driving less than a mile. Uh, 23 years later, uh, two months ago, uh, I looked up, even though we're in the pandemic, I noticed that 70% are driving uh, to church and only maybe 10% are driving less than a mile. Uh, most of them are driving 25 miles, 20 miles, 15 miles to come to church. And so the uh, effectiveness of the church 23 years ago is not the same right now. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, our church has also uh, birthed two churches. <laughs> and it's ironic because one church that we birth is all Armenian uh, for Armenian immigrants who are coming from Armenia primarily and settling in the area of North Hollywood, uh, Sun Valley, Shadow Hills. And then the second church that we birth uh, is all English from the younger families, from the children of our own uh, parish that couldn't connect with our own family. So they, they were kind of saying, okay, we, we love our parents, but we are not in the same culture. We, we don't connect with that same culture. And we want our own culture. And we said, okay, you can have that. You can do that. Uh, now, I would say, I'm not saying we did right, but somehow uh, I view that as saying it, it is, um, it should be something that we should consider in the future. Um, and, and saying that the, the, the parents and the kids don't connect. Your friends and your parents' friends are not necessarily the same. And you experience that. And you deal differently with your friends. Uh, then your parents deal with their friends. So, but but like the unity we talk about, like sometimes we just think there's cultural differences, but there's socioeconomic differences, generational differences. I think the ideal church is able to do the rich and poor, uh, older generation, younger generation, mix it up. But the problem is if the language communication is not there, then it, it, I think it makes sense. But um, but yeah, I think, I think part of the problem, just me personally, is like, we set up church structures to kind of separate generations. So like, all right, you're coming to church, you go to the Sunday school, you go to the Sunday school, you're not integrated into the life of the church. They go off to college, and you're wondering why they haven't come back. It's because they never were integrated. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so I think that there's some things to talk about in regards to what to do but at the same time if if the older generation is speaking armenian and the younger generation doesn't even understand it they're not even getting the message then there is that dilemma absolutely absolutely and that's where that's where i think the two issues are not just socio-economic or cultural it's also biblical in that um, in the bible uh there is room for um all all nations, all uh, segments of uh, uh, society need to come in unity with each other. Uh, they have to uh, understand that Christ and his um, uh, his society is a different society. Yeah. That uh, mothers and uh, and kids, fathers and their sons and grandparents, they they can all come together in Christ. But when you come together in Christ, um, your theology is 
the dictating force of your behavior, yeah. not your cultural understanding. So if the culture says divorce is okay, the Bible says it's not okay. Therefore, it supersedes any cultural uh, guidelines. Yeah. And there are many other uh, theological and uh, biblical principles that the community comes together. And then there are secondary issues uh, in that sense. So the uniting force becomes Christ and his uh, theology, his what he brings into our lives. And everything else is secondary, but falls under that uh, premise uh, together. Yeah, so. to, to go back to the house analogy, like if Christ is not the foundation, throw it out. But the, the building blocks could adapt. I mean, I think that's the, really the, the beauty of the evangelical spirit is it's not like we changed the scriptures. It's not like we changed the gospel. No, we're, we're clinging onto the gospel radically, but we're flexible in adapting that message to whoever we're talking about. So it's not like we're compromising right. the essential. It's just that we're communicating the essential to the changing times because the times are changing radically always. But we hold on to that unchanging right. truth, the changing times. And yeah, and, and, and it just ignited something else in my mind. I, I did give the example of adding uh, rooms. Mm -hmm. uh, now, in, in, when it's a solid foundation and you add rooms, there's no problem with that. Uh, the, the problem happens when you're adding into the old, as Jesus would say, uh, you don't uh, patch a new piece of cloth in the old one. Uh, because it just doesn't work or put a uh, new one in old wineskins. Uh, what I was intending to say is that when the old uh, foundation is crumbling, so societal uh, mm -hmm. foundation is crumbling, to add a new one, you're just uh, increasing your problem, not decreasing your problem. Uh, however, uh, at times, if your foundation is right, uh, to add to it is not a bad thing because basically you're expanding uh, your ministry. So, right, right. yeah. Well, that's a great yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, any final thoughts as we wrap up, uh, Pastor Dan? Uh, no, it's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, discuss. I mean, there, it, it's really not an easy subject to discuss in uh, half an hour or 40 minutes. It, it requires a lot of uh, thought to be put into it. Uh, but I, I, I would say the openness of the guidance of the Holy Spirit is the most essential element and cultural uh, backgrounds. And I think this has always been the case between whether you come from another culture or not, you're always going to have the older and the newer generation issues that's going to happen. I think the wiser thing from older generation like myself uh, uh, that has been in ministry for a long time it's to have the openness of understanding the newer generation and as the newer generation is getting older uh, they need to uh, accept the older generation's uh, guidance absolutely but by the same time be careful that they don't build up a, a culture uh, that becomes so narrow-minded that their newer generation can come in so right. it's always a, a tension that's going to happen generationally and culturally, and the world has become a much smaller place right now. So uh, language barriers should not be as big a deal as it is, uh, as it used to be in the past. But at the same time, I think uh, cultural barriers and the theology is the most important thing that we have to really pay attention to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just 
as you mentioned initially with Jesus's ministry among his own people, he, but if you read the gospels carefully, he's always saying, just let me complete my mission, wait for the Holy spirit, then go. And the, right. the real diverse churches have always been churches that welcome the spirit. And uh, Absolutely. it's, it's the God, the spirit that ultimately draws people to Christ and the people to each other. And that's the beautiful thing about the birth of the church. It's a reversal of, it's a bringing together of the different languages, the different subgroups together. Uh, and right. that's the, the foundation of the church from the beginning. It's the most beautiful thing. Um, and yep. it'll, it'll only be done with the gospel being completed and the spirit descending. Amen. Amen. Ultimately. Yeah. Yep. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Of course. This is great to catch up and great, have an opportunity to, to, to chat, chat. So thank you, Dan. Uh, thank you for those right. who are listening. Uh, God bless you. Stay caffeinated. If you have any comments, uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, stay caffeinated, my friends, and have a great week, everyone. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.